See, somebody who has a little more seasoning is laughing because that's not the reality. We go through difficulties and seasons, and life is built that way. There are times and seasons, but the truth of God's victory, the truth of God's plan, the truth of His love, the revelation that should carry you through time and seasons is the eternal truth of God. Amen. He is Lord. He is King. He is going to set it right. He is going to take care of us. He is going to manifest His loving kindness and His tender mercy and His justice and His judgment. Amen. We've seen the end of the book. It kind of ends in the middle, by the way. It does. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and, and what? Woo! Whatever it is, we're with Him forever. And it sounds incredibly exciting to me, but here's the reality. In the meantime, we wait upon the Lord. In the meantime, we go through seasons of difficulty sometimes, or, or maybe we're praying about someone or something that, that really just burdens our heart. It might be a child, it might be a parent, it might be a brother or sister, it might be a friend, it might be an enemy. But we're praying about things that, that aren't quite what we think they ought to be. We look at it right now and we don't say, man, everything about that just glorifies God. War doesn't glorify Him. Famine, hunger, inhumanity, prejudice, you know, just that this, this boiling, seething anger that exists in humankind. That's not glorifying to God. Come on. Anybody burdened by any of those things? But they're at least around you, aren't they? It's a part of your situation, but here's the truth. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. It says even the young men will faint and be weary. The, you know, there, there are times and seasons when it's just really difficult and you don't have an answer. But when you're there, you should do what David did when he was there. He said to himself sometimes, he said, what are you, what's wrong with you, soul? What's wrong with you? He was talking to David, talking to David. Hey, David, what's wrong with you? Why are you cast down? Why, why are you so discouraged? I will yet hope in God. This isn't the end. This isn't the end. This isn't the end. It's just a part of the middle, and the only way the middle makes sense is that I hope for the end. I look to the end and to the one who holds all time in his hands. And so I'm going to just praise God. That's what he says to his soul. You need to just hope in God, or you're going to be miserable, my soul, because I'm going to sing my praise into the presence of God. I'm going to sing my fears into the presence. That's a good song. I mean, it just, it's, it's not an easy song to sing necessarily, especially for me, because I don't know it. But the truth of it, I know. And so there are just times when you just want to lift up a song in spite of the situation. In the face of all the doubts that the enemy tries to bring into your life. And you just say, you know what? I'm just going to wait upon the Lord. I'm just going to hope in God. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to love Him because He loves me with an everlasting, undying love that doesn't have to be manifest in the moment. It is mine for all of eternity. Come on, is that a word for somebody in this house? Wave your hand if that's an encouragement to you. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your undying, unending, unparalleled, unrelenting love for us, for each and every one of us. Thank you for 
a victory that is ours not through what we have done or what we're doing right now, but through the glorious work and sacrifice and conquering warfare of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God-man, the man that you made yourself into so that you might save us from all of our sin, our sickness, our selfishness, all that is heir to humankind forever, and all the stuff that causes all the things that make us to sorrow and to wonder and, and to long for the day when you will set it all straight. But that's who you are, God. And so we, we just receive you as that. We declare you as that. And in the middle of the waiting, in the middle of the waiting, we praise the unfailing God. Hallelujah. We say yes and amen. Let the kingdom come. Let the will of God be done. And we want to act in a way. We want to react in a way. We want to speak in a way. We want to pray in a way and, and, and endure in a way in the middle of these things that glorifies the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray you'll help us with that. We believe you for that. We give you thanks for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I believe that's just a great song and a word in season for all of us because there are just times and seasons that we go through like that. This too shall pass. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for things that pass. All right, we have, we've been talking about the Christ life now. All of these weeks that Pastor Rich has allowed me, we're actually in the seventh of eight-week series uh, which means that two weeks from today, our Pastor Rich is going to be right here preaching the Word of God, and we're excited about that. I, I am sure he will come back to us just like we prayed he would, relaxed, refreshed, restored, renewed in, in his spirit and heart with a wonderful continuation of the calling that he has in this fellowship and that we have together with him and the Lord. So uh, I'm just excited about that. I, I'm glad to be able uh, to share with you week after week. It's a real honor uh, and a privilege for both me and my wife. As missionaries, uh, you know, we are, we're kind of missionaries to the nations and the neighborhoods. And so uh, the nation of the USA and then all of the international folks that are living here from all the nations of the world, we're, we're burdened with that and we're kind of assigned to that. And so it's really hard to live out that calling in one specific church. We're a part of the church. And so wherever it finds its expressions, we are, we're kind of willing and wanting to serve and to be there. But it is incredibly refreshing uh, when you, in your neighborhoods, uh, in your area nearby, you find people of like precious faith, people who, like Pastor Rich and Clarissa, love the Lord and the leadership of this fellowship, who just want to reach out, ignite change in, in the hundreds who will ignite change in the thousands. Amen. I think that's a great vision. That's the plan of the Lord. So it has been a joy to be able to share with you. And selfishly, quite frankly, selfishly, I have decided to share with you in this eight-week series the things that drive my life and have driven my life in the Lord now for 50 years of faith. So these are, these are proven winners. I don't have any sermons out there that I can just preach a sermon and say, that's a winner. But I, there's a truth and a set of truths that I can promise you will work in every time, every age, every person, every nation, uh, all the time. These are always true. There'll never be a moment in your life when these five fundamentals are not foundational to faith in God. 
You've got to believe that Christ is alive. You've got to believe that He's operating in a partnership with you. And you have availability by grace through faith to access everything that's in Christ and to make it manifest to and in you. Why? Because He prioritizes people. He loves people. Uh, he came to save people. He's the quintessential people person. People didn't exist except when God created us. Amen? And then He made us to multiply. How cool is that? He really likes people. And so you're more important, always, you're more important than anything you do, anything you give, any way you serve. You are important to God. And He's put us all in this wonderful arena called relationships. You might not necessarily think you're good at them, but you're stuck with them. <laughs> Amen. You have brothers, you have sisters, you have a mom, you have a dad, you have kids, you have uh, uh, workers, co-workers, friends, enemies, you have people that you're kind of stuck in relationships. The good news is that these relationships are the place where God wants to make himself known. This is where God wants to manifest his presence. This is your church. Amen. This is your platform for ministry. You can live out the love of Christ. You can speak the truth of God. You can bring the glory of Christ into every one of these relationships where two gather. It just takes two. In my name. That means one of them comes in Jesus' name. I am there. So this is the arena in which he makes known his power and his presence and his plan for people's lives. And so all of us are in this ministry. If you can't sing a song like any of these wonderful folks up here, if you can't preach a sermon, if you can't, you know, write a book or a poem or create a piece of art, don't worry about it. You are a piece of art. And in every relationship you're a part of, you get to live out the beauty and the glory of the Lord and begin to shine forth in that. And so that's what we do. And we do it with an urgency. We do it with a sense of passion because we understand that, that this is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. The accepted time with God is now. And why do we care so much about now? Because now is a little tiny chunk of eternity. And there comes a time when it's too late for you to make a confession of faith. There comes a time when it's you've passed the opportunity by, and there's nothing left for you but judgment. How many of you know that? And that, that will cause you to have, in the moment, a sense of, of reevaluation of your time in the light of eternity. And so we do that, and, and the, the goal that we have, the one thing that we kind of concentrate on, is living in the love of Christ. That's really what it looks like. When we, when we commit to loving everyone, everywhere, every day, the way the Lord does as actively and thoroughly and powerfully and fully as He does, well, I promise you, you just need to access the partnership. It will rejuvenate the relationship. Amen. It will prioritize the person. It will give you a sense of urgency and passion. Why? Because it's the love of God that compels you. And so our response to this is that we believe certain truths, we become certain ways, and we behave then in certain ways. How many of you are glad that it's not just about believing? Just all you got to do is say it, because we're all faced with people who say, well, I believe this, I know this, I, this is true, and their life has no evidence of the work and the reality of God in their lives. And, and if you don't know how to answer that, if you don't know that it's more than just confessing and believing, uh, here's a good scripture for you. The devils believe, and they're not saved. Now, that's not what the Scripture says, but trust me, that is the reality. The devils believe, and they're not saved. 
So believing like that, acknowledging that God exists, that's not enough. It is a powerful, personal, living relationship with Him. But that relationship also has the power to change how you are. He literally, you know that there's a popular theorizing among the uh, ancient alien people who are, who are crafting this huge big lie to try to foist on everybody that, that we're not the product of the great God of heaven, but the, all of the, the uh, minor gods, the, what do we call them gods because we don't know how to explain their technologies and all of this, that we were somehow part of all of that nonsense. That's what they, they're, they're kind of out there teaching that nonsense to people that, uh, that they somehow along in your history came in and snatched away some of the monkey, monkeys of our past and injected them with a different DNA. They messed with your DNA and then whoop, we popped up. We spoke up. Instead of, oh, oh, we said, what do you know? That's, that's kind of a part of the whole lie that they craft. But I do want to tell you something. God, God is in the business of messing with your DNA, if you will. He's in the business of messing with how you live your life. He's not just coming along to say, oh, I love you so much that I'm willing to just move in and take you just as you are. No, I love you so much that in spite of the way you are, I'm going to accept you in Christ. I'm going to move you into me, but then I'm going to move me into you. And that changes who we are so that we don't behave like sinners, but we behave like Christ. And that process in the middle is called becoming. That's what we want to talk about today and spend our time just looking at becoming. Now, as we do this, I want you to get in mind a picture. We've all seen this because we live in an area in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where there is continual growth going on. Population growth is masterful and huge. Uh, we are, I'm th thinking now, we were maybe the fourth or fifth lar largest met metropolitan area, and now we're, we're moving up the scale because so many people are moving in. I just know that in the area where we live, everywhere that there is a piece of land, someone is building something. Seriously, there's dust flying up everywhere. You just drive around and watch the dust. And it's, it's everywhere because these places are out there. And, and many of them, if you take the time to drive toward the dust, you will find this nifty little sign. You know what the sign says? Come on, try. Under, there you go, under construction. And on that sign, you will have a picture. You'll have a, a kind of a rendering, an artist's rendering, an architect's rendering of the thing that is actually going to eventually be in that place. Now, why do I want you to think about that? Because that's the reality of what we are in Christ. And Christ is in us. That sign would be Jesus himself. That sign would be perfect love. That sign would be perfect grace, perfect faith, perfect faithfulness. That sign would be power and authority. That sign would be all of those things. But the reality is that it's not there yet. The architect sees it. The architect accepts that it's going to be there. And he will treat everything that happens here because he is building that thing here, 
Now, you've got to get that because that is key to becoming. Understand that God's commitment is to cause you to, to not just fake it till you make it. But his plan for you is to actually give you of his own spirit, of his own mind. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, why would he say that if it wasn't possible? Did you know you can think like Jesus? That ought to, that ought to stir some of you up. Because some of your thought lives aren't that pleasing. I'm not saying just to the Lord, I'm saying to you. You know, every time you, you, you it's like this blessing happens and you're, the first thought in your mind is, when's the hammer going to drop? What awful thing is going to happen next? Oh, no. Trust me, the devil does just what these songs said. He tries to induce all of that stuff in our lives. But here's the process is that the architect sees and the architect treats us in this way. And in fact, at some point in time, the construction will be finished. There'll be a building that starts to appear. Come on, every time you drive by, you can, you're not just seeing the picture, but now you're seeing the construction. And at first, it's just a big gaping hole. But be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Have we ever used those before? Be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Well, that's a good line, and I love the sentiment of that. And probably for the first few months of your salvation, I'll, I'll just stick with you on that one. But the 75th time that you lose your temper and curse and swear and jump up and down, I'm going to probably say, honey, by now you ought to probably be learning something. You ought to become, be becoming less angry. Less, well, it's really a little quieter now. Let's look at the scripture because the scripture sometimes gives us the idea. In fact, this first scripture that I want to read is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, that's powerful, isn't it? If any person is in Christ, they, he, she, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, and everything about you is new. And if you're not careful when you read that, you just imagine that that's the reality. That's the structure. That's the building. One day it wasn't there, and God went, Phew! and there it was. not exactly. The truth is, that's how he will treat you. That's how he will receive you. That is how he will reward you. That is how he will resource you. Because he does that in Christ. And Christ is finished with this work of saving grace in our lives. It is still continuing now inside of us as we become more and more and more like Christ. Because he is building Christ into us. He's pulled us out of sin and put us into Christ, but now he's going to put Christ into us. You get that? It's, it's easy to get, you know, out of the world, but to get the world out of you takes a little longer. How many of you have read through the, the wilderness wanderings of Israel as a nation? Pulling them out of Egypt. And in the wilderness, the, the, the whole thing about the wilderness was getting Egypt out of them. Because they would continually talk about how good it once was. Oh, I remember the day. And remember what they remembered? I remember spices, onions, you know, food that smelled good when it was cooking. 
and cause your, your mouth to water. Whew. Now what do we got? This, what is it stuff? Amen. They, they remembered bondage and slavery as a positive thing. That's how weird we can get. And so God is wanting to work inside of us. So it doesn't happen just overnight. There's actual process by which God changes us. And this is in Romans chapter 12. Let me read the first two verses to you as we get into this then. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. These are powerful scriptures. You need to kind of mark these down in your mind. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is give yourself to Christ. Yield to the will of God being done in your life. Uh, when God says, I'll receive you in Christ, say, yes, amen. I receive the invitation and I am committing my life to Christ. Then, in Christ, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the good, the acceptable, the perfect things that he's moving us into. What's that saying is you, you accept that you're accepted. You say yes to the thing for which Christ has said yes to you. And so you find yourself in Christ. But, but to, do, to live there, you live in a world, and this is how we connect with this truth, you live in a world of possibilities, you live in a world of problems, and you live in a world of processes by which God works in your life. This is the reality, and I want you to connect with this, that becoming Christ-like involves not just, oh, everything is possible. That's true. We sang it today. I believe through you I can do anything. All things are possible through Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. It can happen. It can happen. It could happen to you. Tell that to the person that you've been angry with. I could be better tomorrow. I might be better in the next minute. It could happen because this is the truth. There's a possibility. And the possibility actually is you could be completely like Christ. Christ could fill your soul with the revelation of Him and you could somehow lose enough connection with your old world that everything about you becomes more and more and more like and filled with the glory of the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and that's what He's called us. That's the possibility. That's what God hangs out there. The problem is that we're not wired for that. Can I say it differently? We are born in sin. We are shaped by iniquity. Here's the truth. You want to know what you're wired for? You're wired for worldly. It's always interesting. If you study child behavior, you never have to teach a child to be selfish. You never have to teach a child, especially if there's another child nearby and there's a toy. Mine. You know, all of that sort of stuff. It's interesting. We had two children who were three years apart, and there were times when we'd have them in the car, and the argument sounded like this. He's breathing my air. That's just dumb and unscientific. But it's the reality of a worldly, selfish, ungodly attitude. Why? Because we're born into it. We're shaped by it. You don't have to try to be worldly. You don't have to work at wicked. 
You are wired for worldly. Now, how many of you see that's a problem? Paul saw it. He said, there are times I want to do the right thing. I just, I know what the right thing is. But when I want to do the right thing, all this wrong stuff is right here badgering me. All my history is coming back at me. All the bad things I've ever done, all the most easy things for me to do, the easiest responses that come to mind right now are all bad. And so what do I do? I'm faced with a problem. Who will, here's what he says in the scripture, who will deliver me from the body of death? Who will work in me in such a way that I am changed out of this? And the answer is, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. This is the reality. He's called us into a process whereby we are changed. He's called us into a relationship with Him that has a morphing effect in our lives. This verse that we just read in chapter 12 and verse 2 is especially powerful because it says this, don't be, refuse to be, resist the idea of conformity. There's a pathway that requires no activity on your part. It's a passive pathway because you're wired for worldly. And so to be conformed to the world, when you read that, it's a, it's a schematic word. It's suschematizo, but which is a weird word to try to get out here in the Greek language. But the reality of it is there's a plan. There's a wiring. There's, a, there's the way it is. And you can, you can try to fight it, but you're not going to win because it just is the way it is. Well, I am what I am. You know, we do that. And we, well, or better yet, we pull out some national thing. I have the bad temper because I'm Irish. What a slap on the Irish. Really. Or whatever. Pick your, pick your poison on that. The reality is that uh, we, we don't have to try to do that. But the next word says, refuse that, but then choose to be transformed by a renewing process that will, that will touch your mind and the way you think about things and move you ever increasingly more into the will of God in your life. And that word transformed is the word from which we get metamorphosis. Amen. This ain't all that there is. This is not a finished project. This is an under construction disciple of Jesus Christ. This is a spirit filled, on fire, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of power, full of righteousness, full of glory, in process. Amen. That's who we are because of whose we are. And so this is the reality that we face, that we are born into sin and we're shaped by iniquity, but now we are born of the Spirit. And the shaping in our lives comes by interactivity. Not iniquity, but interactivity. God working in us, us working in Him, getting to know Him more and more and more. And the more we know Him, the more we are changed by this process. So let's, let's, let's grow into this right now. A disciple becomes a learner. How many of you are okay with being a learner in this one? How many of you are okay with being a student? How many of you know one of the, one of the requirements of being a student, you'll have to learn this one, as, as a part of your disciplines of, of study at UT Arlington, but you don't know everything. Well, the good news is neither do professors. Neither does anybody. 
but the Lord does. And you can learn. You can grow into it. The way, the way you stop growing into it is by saying, I know it all. I have it all. I got this. Have you ever tried that with the Lord? Hey, this patience thing, I finally got it. I'm golden. God, thank you for patience. Finally, it's about time. I'm glad you gave it to me now. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, you know, I haven't got it yet. Because <laughs> it doesn't quite have a hold of you. So this is the reality. We are learning of the Lord. We are learning the Lord. We are learning the language of God. And we are learning the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's, that's a mouthful of things, but let me just touch on each of them for a minute. When I say we're a learner of the Lord, I mean that we need to embrace the concept and understand that we're called into this masterful, massive possibility. Everything that is in Christ is available to you. Amen. No matter what your history is, no matter what your level of sincerity and enthusiasm is for the things of God, the availability is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's a done deal. And so uh, we, we, we have to realize, how do we access that? Well, we access that by dying to ourself and allowing God to come and live for himself. We do not fake it till we make it. We don't try to make it happen. Now, you can, but you will quickly find that you're not patient, you're not loving, you're not gracious, you're not holy, you're not a whole lot of things. And God is not asking you to be them. He is them. And he's offering to cause you to be able to die to them so that he can sweep in and bring you his love and his faithfulness and his truthfulness and his glory and his life and his joy. Amen. Amen. We don't live for Jesus. We live with Jesus and within him. And he lives with and within us. And so, uh, as we embrace the concept of all these realities, and we learn the Lord that way, we begin to experience the witness of God in our lives. We do. We start to think more like Him. We start to have His feelings. We start to care about stuff we never cared about before. Come on, how many of you have had this happen? You're just driving by, and it's something you've never even given a thought to, and all of a sudden, now you're burdened. You're going, oh, Somebody ought to do some more, God. You know, and you find yourself praying, interceding. Why? Because Christ is growing inside of you. Amen. My kids used to sing a song, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I'm a great big bundle of potentiality. So I'm learning to hear God's voice. And I'm trying to make the right choice because I'm a promise to be anything he wants me. Amen. So we embrace the concept. We begin to experience the witness. And we don't try to fight it. We don't try to fix it. What we learn to do is just die to the old junk. Stop being conformed. Resist, refuse, reject conformity to the world. It's just the way it is. No, it isn't. That stupid line that is used for, for every excuse in bad human behavior. Well, everybody does it. If I don't, everybody does it. If one person doesn't, everybody does it. I don't care if you're in a place where everybody hates everybody. If you don't, then everybody does it. Amen. And God will use your witness as a powerful witness of Him and His work. So we learn 
Christ. We learn the language of the Lord. We learn how He speaks and deals with people. That's really why we read the Bible all the time. Not just to, to know the plan of salvation. We know the Savior. But we want to learn the language of God. Every culture has its language. Thank God it has its food as well. Thank God it has a, these varieties of behavioral things. It's, it's festivals and it's celebrations. It's way of rejoicing. It's way of sorrowing. It's, 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 it's interesting to learn all those things. But if you're going to seriously move into a culture and try to embed there and become a part of that, you've got to learn the language. That's why we read the Bible. This is the language book of God. This is the primer 101. How does God speak? How does He feel? How does He think? How does He treat people? And the beauty of the Bible is there's all kinds of people in there. There's people just like you in pretty much any situation you're in. And then there's people just like your enemies. In every situation you find yourself with them. We're your friends because we're learning the language of God. And so as we learn this, uh, we learn how God is working and moving inside of our lives. And then we also learn the lifestyle of the kingdom because we become ever increasingly more and more like Jesus. And so people start to say, where did that come from? I love this passage. There's one in the New Testament that says, always be ready to give an answer. Remember this? Do you know how to fill the rest of this in? Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies inside of you. There is an energy that is bringing you a hopefulness where you're wanting to move forward all the time in the Lord because you have this can-do attitude that you are a promise and a possibility and you keep moving forward. Always be ready to give an answer to where that came from. It comes because the Lord is with me and the Lord is in me. And every day I'm becoming more and more like Him. So what do we do with this? How do we go with this? We commit to a constructive life with Christ. And I close with this because I want to take you back to the sign. What do I mean? I mean commit to not just having the sign up there for 10 years. Eventually it's going to come. Sooner or later. And, and don't fall into this. Well, if I just get to the right church, if I just get to the right prayer meeting, if I just hear the right sermon, if I just get to the right revival, if I just have the right person lay hands on me and wave their hand of authority over me, then everything is going to change. Honey, there is no better right person than the Lord Jesus himself. And he is in you and you are in him. Amen. And so what do we do? Well, we, we read the Bible, we pray, and we obey. <laughs> Obedecer, cumple nuestro deber. Trust and obey. Remember the song? No other way to be happy in Jesus. That's the reality of it. You've got to move into a living relationship with God where He replaces your old junk with the realities that are alone in Him. Amen. You become less and less and less Rexy and more and more and more Jesus-y. I know that's a cheeky way to say that, but... But it's a beautiful reality that happens in our lives because we, we trust Him, we obey Him, we move forward. And so, uh, here it is. Make a plan. Make a plan. And then recruit a partner. Why do I say recruit a partner? Because I don't know about you, but if, if the plans that the Lord has for my life are pretty costly most of the time, this idea of, uh, uh, of uh, resisting and refusing to be conformed to the world but being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, that sometimes is the painful process. Not to Christ, but to us. 
certainly to our flesh. How many of you understand crucifying the flesh is not a without pain experience? It, it is. And the more pain that there is, the harder it is to follow your plan. If God says to you, I want you to be incredibly generous and I want, to give, I want you to give half of your income to people in need, you, you may go, huh? You want me to what? Nobody does that. I mean, you, you'll go through a whole laundry list of things. But if he's really serious with you and he really wants you to, you got to make a plan. And, and honestly, if you make a plan and you don't recruit a partner and tell them about it, then you're probably not going to fulfill your plan. When you recruit a partner, it changes everything. Somebody cares about your success in the things of the Lord. Somebody cares about Christ growing inside of you. That's what small groups are about. That's what discipleship is about. That's what accountability is about. Somebody knows, somebody cares, and we're growing together into the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Somebody cares. I have a plan, and I'm going to carry it out. Why is that important to have a partner? Because then someone can, when you don't work it well, someone can be right there to hug you and, and hold you and say, you know what? We need to not forsake the plan. Maybe we need to alter things a little bit. I remember a young guy who decided he was going to get up early every morning and seek the face of the Lord because he just was inspired with this idea of 4 a.m. prayer. The problem was he was not wired for 4 a.m. Forget prayer. 4 a.m. for him was about two and a half hours after he went to bed. And so when he woke up to seek the Lord at 4 in the morning, it sounded like this. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God, for your blessing and, and your love for me. And, uh... and so we met together, and he just was like, oh, I just, I'm a failure. This is awful. And I said, well, what, what's, what are you doing? How did it go? And he said, I slept pretty much most of the time. And I said, but you, you got up. You stayed awake for a little bit of the time. That was a sacrifice. And probably the, the truth is that it's not your best time of the day. To do that. What's your most productive time of the day? He said, oh, man, at 10 o'clock at night, I'm lit up. I'm ready to rock and roll. 10 o'clock, man, boom. In my world, 10 a.m. is, I'll see ya. I am in the arms of Morpheus. I've gone to La La Land. Thank God for protecting my dreams. But here's the reality. For him, that was a great time. And so just changing the time for him caused his plan to be so much better, and he wouldn't have come to that without a partnership. Someone who can help you to recraft the plan. Someone who can celebrate your successes. Somebody who can mourn with you in your losses. Someone who will walk with you in the powerful name of Jesus. So I pray, Father, help us. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to be uh, a project under construction. Help us to know that as we resist conformity to the world and we choose to associate with you. We choose to learn you. We choose to learn the language of the kingdom. We choose to learn the lifestyles of the Lord himself. We choose this morphing process by which we are changed from experience to experience into the glorious image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then somebody someday does say, wow, 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 where did that come from? And we can say we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as we become more like you. We believe for that. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.